Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction's Patreon, episode 132. Science Faction, the lightning round! Oh, shit. You see... uh... Uh, hold on, I gotta add a sound effect. <laughs> no, no, David, I have a lightning bolt sound effect. You don't need you. You have a, a uh, sound effects Ferrari sitting in your garage, and you never take it out for a spin. It's <laughs> what, like you're on the like the dude from Police Academy? No, you are not a sound <laughs> effects Ferrari. If anything, you are a surplus Hertz rental sound effects buyback that they have gotten because of a lemon law. His name is Michael Winslow, and I have subscribed to all of his Become Your Own uh, Personal Voice Cartoon Artist. I have graduated with a black belt from the Michael Winslow Academy, and 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 how dare you? I will I will go to sound effects comedy fight dojo uh, against you anytime. Oh man! First of all, I I think Michael Winslow died. Right? Is that right? I think he died recently. Actually, he hasn't been charging my account for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was thinking, like, is there any way that somebody doesn't kind of pop off with their best Michael Winslow impression at the funeral? Like, there is no (laughs) way, no matter how somber the occasion is, he's like, you know, born in 1963, and somebody's like... He does the electric guitar impersonation. (laughs) How'd you get this gig? Oh, I was... I was discovered at Michael Winslow's funeral. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just it's it's uh, literally just a who's who of like voice artists coming in and like doing their best, like t- t- very loose thirty on the mic. Oh, oh dear. So uh, yeah, so the lightning round uh, we haven't done it in a long time. You guys might not remember it. This is a it's a fun little bit we do instead of doing because we we got so many emails. We got literally millions of emails on a regular basis about Damien not trying and I call BS. When is he finally going to win one? Do you guys work this out ahead of time so he loses 100% of the time because this is seeming like a bit or something? And it's not. It's not a bit. It's not. I just fucking write these questions. I spent a lot of time, by the way, looking through a lot of articles to write good questions. I write them all out. I give Damien every opportunity. Sometimes I give him hints and clues and stuff like that. You're a piece of shit. And every time he manages to get it wrong, which... Some people said, like, that it's almost, it's impressive how often he's wrong. I don't agree with those people. Most people don't agree with them. You, you talk like Donald Trump. Some people are saying that Damien doesn't even try <laughs> doing these IQBSs. I tell him, Damien's trying, he's trying. I tell him. He's, <laughs> I try and tell him. I try and tell him. But, uh, yeah, yeah he's, uh, he just puts out, like, a Michael Cohen level of effort out here. And he can't seem to make it happen. <laughs> Me and Michael Cohen both have shady acquaintances in our past, but are both on the right side of history. So please. Yes. Both of you have paid porn stars thousands of dollars to shut up about your secrets. <laughs> I paid, uh, there was a BBW porn star convention in town. I had to pay them all off. Don't tell them how much I like cheese. Yeah, you want to know where the Patreon budget goes? That's where the Patreon budget goes. <laughs> that and the extra email server Gmail makes me pay for for all the emails we get on a regular basis. Quite a bit. I know what they charge for a gig. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's crazy. 
It's crazy. Uh, but the lightning round is a game we play where I just basically read essentially the gist of an article. It's not BS or whatever. Not like it's, it's just the gist of a true article. And Damien has a, maybe a one-liner. So we go as long as like maybe a two-liner, one to two-liner joke that he gets to throw on to the end of whatever that is. And then we'll talk briefly about it. And then a lightning bolt's uh, worth of wattage is pumped through my body. Um, That's true. Bobby takes his finger off the button. And then we go to the next question. Then we go to the next. Which, by the way, if you were around in the 90s when shit gave you superpowers and you watched a little movie called Powder, like if you got hit by a lightning bolt, it gave you powers. You know what I found out later? <laughs> you happens didn't see if you powder. Got hit by a lightning bolt. <laughs> Admit that you never saw Powder. No, I didn't. I've seen Powder. His mom gets hit by a lightning bolt when she's pregnant with him and he gets superpowers. And like, here's the deal. Me, young me watching that is like, oh my God. I'm going to start fucking Ben Franklining a kite in the middle of thunderstorms to try and make this shit happen. It turns out, Damien, do you know what happens when you get hit by lightning? You die. There's no superpowers involved. It's wildly unpleasant. It's, it's yes. as we're going to find out here. By the way, I think we can add powder onto the list of like th- horrible references movies that you, like, you bring up that nobody, and I repeat, I, live, I remember seeing the powder trailer as a child the same as you. Uh-huh. But it wasn't even like the biggest movie of that year. It was like the number 40th movie that year. I was a nerd who loved superpowers and there was no fucking X-Men movies out yet. It was the only thing on the fucking table. Well, I believe he was. it was about an advanced student who was like basically like the next step in human evolution. He had like tele- telekinetic powers. He was a mutant. He he got it for, because his mom got struck by lightning when she was pregnant with him. That's how his he got his powers. His mom was bit by a radioactive lightning bolt when she was pregnant with him. <laughs> Uh, she got the lightning bolt serum uh, from the U.S. Army. <laughs> it was the only baby who was willing to jump on that grenade. Like The mid-90s, all you had if you wanted to see a movie about superpowers was Powder and Phenomenon. That was it. And that's why I saw those in theaters. They were the only two movies where you got superpowers. Yeah, after Phenomenon, you were like, please let me get brain cancer. Please let me get brain cancer. That's why I want powers. <laughs> Please let me get some sort of horrible, debilitating mass. Oh, dear. All right, let's move right on to the lightning round. Do you think one of these days we're going to have, like, a reference that our audience can understand? Like, we're going to, like, the, oh, that Modern Family episode, or, oh, um... I don't remember any one of them where they got struck by lightning. <laughs> I just hope that Sammy or uh, Manny... <laughs> by lightning every episode yeah, but it never happened no no i mean manny was great he was he was that was actually one of those things where they pick a child actor and they turn out to be a good actor the kid who played the like the brother the, the, the brother of the main family that was over and over again every week one of the worst actors on television i felt like screaming at the screen every single this this is on the biggest show in America that's been running for, for 10 years, this piece of shit actor who seemingly is like reading his lines off a teleprompter badly, this is what we're settling for. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think he was... I, I thought the girl who played the adopted baby from Asia yes. uh, that the gay couple had, I thought she grew up into a shitty actress. But by the way, yes. here's a fun... Very, very, very true. Both of them, they were competing. They were head-to-head for shittiest person on a major network show. Shittiest actor on a major network show. It was as if... They were actually brilliant actors who had decided to make a bet on who could be the worst actor on that show. 
Sometimes you're born in a position. Sometimes you have the it factor as a kid, and that's how you become a yeah. child star. Sometimes you just get it when you're a baby and just uh, age into it. By the way, fun fact: Did you know that the the same writing crew who did um, who did Modern Family also did uh, Frasier? Oh, very. That's why if you've seen Frasier, even though it is like a sitcom, like a like a laugh track sitcom, it is kind of delightful. Huh. Yeah, I didn't well, expect that until COVID that I went back and I watched all of Frasier, the whole library of Frasier, and I was like, this is delightful. Huh. Oh, very interesting. All right. On to article number one for the lightning round. Excess fluoride in water linked to cognitive impairment in children. If I, by the way, if I'm like a conspiracy, if I'm like a, your regular Alex Jones listener right now, I'm doing like such a victory dance at the FC <laughs> yes. walking. Oh, and uh, by the way, the frogs are freaking gay as fuck. <laughs> Oh, dear. So, indeed, this study was done in chil- on children in Ethiopia who were drinking out of wells with naturally high fluoride levels. And that's a problem with many sor- water sources. By the way, including water sources in our own country, our water authorities, they don't just add fluoride like the conspiracy theorists think. They actually balance fluoride because some natural water sources have too much fluoride. And it is neurotoxic when it gets too high, when it's too too concentrated. And you would think you would think it would make your teeth stronger, but it makes them more brittle and gives them brown spots. I it, it makes them strong, but you're right that it does like add like the spots and st- the, the the coating to them. This is a small end number, but this is something we kind of already knew about fluoride in high doses. It is a neurotoxic. Uh, they looked at 74 Ethiopian children in rural villages, and they found that the farming communities had varying degrees of natural fluoride in the water, va- ranging from 0.4 to 15 and a half milligrams per liter. The WHO recommends that it, the levels are below 1.5 milligrams per liter. So some of these are 10 you times mean NWO the recommended. When you say you say WHO, you actually <laughs> mispronounce it. It's actually NWO put because they're testing out a new fluoride and they're putting way too much in this. Of course, they're going to do it in a well in Africa. No, no, it's natural fluoride, Alex Jones. They're just uh, they're just testing the kids who have it. And by the way, it's a great like natural test population because you have all these different groups with varying fluoride, but they're all like genetically very similar. Like you couldn't here. We have obviously various genetic groups in different places and stuff. They're all very closely genetically related, and they're all living the same type of life. These like pastoral agriculturalists. So when you're testing it, you really are seeing kind of one variable that's mainly shifting there. And so well to well. One of these might have 10 times the fluoride of the other one, and it's a big deal. They found that the higher doses of exposure to fluoride in drinking water was linked to more errors on specific drawing and memory tests that were given. And again, not a huge surprise. We know that high fluoride levels are like that, which is why our own water authorities remove fluoride from water just as often as they put it in. Uh, We brought up Alex Jones a second ago, and... um I don't know if you guys heard, he recently was in the news again. A couple months ago, he he filed for bankruptcy from the Sandy Hook uh, decision. Uh, But it recently was decided that he couldn't. uh, But they were going over his finances. And even like now after the the bankruptcy, he was still spending like $96,000 a month on like crazy shit. $7,000 on cleaning, on like cleaning services. Like, like, and I'm wondering like, like, is it because he eats chili like Winnie the Pooh he just has have like a team of maids power washing his living room <laughs> honestly that's the least crazy part of that bill because if you're like Alex Jones requires $7,000 a month for cleaning service I'd be like yeah that's totally accurate because I also imagine that some like at one point like he just on a given Wednesday he just like wakes up and he's like what happens if I, I put three oranges and four sharpie markers in a blender and I don't put the cap on I, I mix it all up let's see I, like, like that <laughs> to me 
And he just like leaves the house and like a team strike force of maids shows he yeah. shows up there's a new blender. Blender Santa came again. Like for like ninety four thousand dollars. I I as I grew up poor, and so the thought yeah. of like doing that per month and having seven thousand dollars in cleaning bills, like you just shit on the floor? Like do you just like walk like, well, I didn't feel like going to the bathroom. So I just shit on the floor. That's why I have maids. All right, I have filled my eighth bedroom with roadkill that I have found, and I am now testing it to see which has chlorine on its body. All right, babes, you can handle the rest. <laughs> I also light my house on fire every morning. I wake up and I have a new one built. Uh, article number two, scientists develop cool new way to store hydrogen. They do it while smoking. Like that's <laughs> like they're, they're it's putting, very dangerous. They're putting it they're putting it into like freezers, underground storage lockers, but they're wearing leather jackets instead of like the parkas that they normally would wear. And they're smoking over here. By the way, this has been a huge safety violation. This has had yeah. this this mistake to kind of make science cool again has had a death toll. <laughs> they're a, a body uh... count. <laughs> This is interesting. I've talked before about the hydrogen economy. I think hydrogen is the going to be kind of the transition force we use to get to an electric-based economy because it's essentially carbon neutral. You can create hydrogen just by separating water and oxygen by running electricity through it. And it's total dangerous and cool to smoke around. Yeah. Yeah, well, and you know, it gives you sweet blimp fires, you know, when you, you sometimes you need that to motivate a population. Uh, to to in steer this particular... people away from this dangerous blimp technology and direct us towards right. planes. It sounds like, like, um, like, like, like if we go back in history, that was like John Boeing the first actually engineered. Henry Zeppelin was leading the air, the air travel industry with his blimp technology. Yeah, we had to get rid of that bullshit. The problem with hydrogen is it's obviously very, very non-dense. So, you know, it takes up a lot of space volume-wise. And you usually have to, it's hard, you have to store it oftentimes when it's cold to condense it. It's just, there's a bunch of stuff that's wrong with kind of transporting it, storing it, that kind of stuff. And in this particular new development, each molecule of this uh, storage process can store one electron from hydrogen at room temperature and store it up to three months, which again is hard because hydrogen can leak out of almost anything because it's so small and even more importantly it can be its own catalyst for the extraction meaning the actual storage unit can be part of the catalyst that can then turn it back uh, and get the electricity turn it back to hdo and get the the electricity out of the whole process so the thing that stores it is also the catalyst and right now one of the problems with electrolysis where you separate it out and you know combining them back in hydrogen fuel cells is that you have to have these expensive catalysts made of rare earth metals and that's a big problem this is its own catalyst and it's made out of nickel which is pretty fucking cheap and plentiful so we don't have to worry about uh these you know platinum catalysts and stuff very very cool one more step into that hydrogen economy article number three being closely related to your mate has impacts on fertility generations down the line inbreeding with your sibling or, or mating with your sibling because I, I assume you don't mean that in, like the british way like yeah <laughs> like your mate you're, you're good like yes, just in no. the way that you and i bobby would be considered yes. mates in a british yes sense. Also in a biblical sense. Yeah, that was a different thing, though. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. It turns out um, if you uh, if you if you marry your uh, cousin, if you mate with your relative years down the line, uh, they'll be listening to the Joe Rogan podcast experience daily <laughs> and having truck knocks on their car. 
Yeah, indeed. Sorry, Mormons, Pakistanis, and Lannisters. Uh, so this was done in the Himba community of Namibia, and it looked at kind of what happens when you have these these groups. And by the way, I wasn't trying to pick on Pakistanis. They actually have incredible like culture of cousin marriage that is really like narrowing that gene pool. And so do sisters either, because we know yeah. that there's a lot of money in podcasting sponsorships out there. And we, and we know that you always pay your debts, always pay their debts. And, uh, and by the way, Cersei was pretty banging, you know, who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to throw one at that? You know, if your brother, who, you know, I, I've listen, I've seen a lot of like, like if she was, uh, if she got caught in the, uh, in the turret, in the arrow turrets of the yeah. castle or something, and was stuck. Yeah. And what, what would Jamie have to do? <laughs> If she was a horny milf in my neighborhood, you know, I would be making phone calls. <laughs> I've heard there's several. I've, I've heard that too. <laughs> yeah, and the, and and Mormons uh, because they started with like small concentrated populations, they ended up inbreeding so much. We have like specific genetic diseases that only exist in their population from inbreeding. So like that, they, that's they a thing. That... Out, they've somehow though bred out like mental illness or I don't like when I see like, when you go to like when I think of Mormons, I think of like just the most like very complete happy people. They don't need alcohol yeah. or drugs. It's true. That's they true. get their highs yeah. from parents' hugs. Yeah. So this is, you know, obviously a rural African population. And what they found was it's basically a matter of time for those genes to compromise future generations. But we always think of it like, oh, two cousins are going to marry each other and they're going to have messed up kids, which does happen, by the way, because you don't want you want, you know, diversity. and You don't want the same allele at the same gene all the time. And, and it can cause a lot of problems. But what it turns out is. This is really a problem many generations down the line. It like increases as it goes down the line. And if those communities don't spread out and do something and start mating with other people, it becomes quite a problem and it you can affect fertility Giuliani or far enough down the line. Yes, that's right. So what they found is they found that bottleneck events where like the population shrinks down, they'll be able to kind of like mate and produce the next few generations and it'll be tough and there'll be some genetic deformation, but they'll be able to do it. And it'll seem like they have passed the barrier, like they've gotten past it because they have this healthy population. But in fact, that's really kind of contributing to problems as it goes down. And these researchers found after tracing all of the genetics of these individuals that these women who were the result of parents who were related, who they probably didn't even know they were related because the communities are so related that they were like somebody, somebody's grandpa was somebody's second cousin or something. They probably didn't even know, but if they inherited inherited kind of the same alleles from these uh, kind of close family ties, if their parents were like that, they had a much harder time getting pregnant and having viable offspring. And this, and, and what they found was the bottleneck event that contributed to this in this particular group in, in Africa was 12 to 18 generations back was that bottleneck event. And so again, they were still marrying within cousin groups and stuff like that. But you're talking about an event that happened many, many hundreds of years ago, still contributing to genetic problems in a modern day population. And so like, you can get away with cousin fucking for a little bit, but eventually it catches up to you. I mean, like, okay, but if, if realistically, if it's done for just one or two generations and then all of a sudden you you get through the dry patch and uh, you get a, a fresh DNA infusion in there, you can avoid it. Yeah, right? and that's, okay. the, that's the key, right? You got to bring in new DNA and, and, and get, get new alleles coming in the population so you're not constantly getting the same one from both sides of your family. This is this should be the best, like, you know, for all these like really close minded, like, you know, com rural communities who are like we don't want to take immigrants like, no, you please take the immigrant yes. population into your community from from Afghanistan or whatever war torn nation we are hosting. <laughs> it's a, so the new campaign is like uh, adopt an immigrant, bang a cousin. 
No, no, no. Like, 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 stop banging a cousin. Bang, like, like, have have your own personal Romeo and Juliet cross cultural. Oh, I thought you were saying you were incentivizing them. Like, look, banging your cousin is tolerable as long as you get these genetic influxes. So if you bang a cousin, but then adopt an immigrant into your community who will contribute to genetic diversity, you're all good. You know what? I one time like said to my like like my niece like she's allergic to some metal, and so like uh, if she were to put on, or there's some makeup, but if she like wears, so we're like if you wear that for like more than four hours, you're going to get like a, an allergic reaction. And what she heard was, I can wear this makeup for two hours. <laughs> and so I like the idea of I proposing this uh, this like, hey, we're gonna get we're gonna get hot, foreign, attractive people in your rural community. But a couple of guys are like. I don't walk it, but if I want my grandchildren to be able to sleep with cousins like the same as I did, I need to bite the bullet and have sex with a foreigner. Oh man, I want to see all the the ad campaigns for that. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like a save a horse, ride a cowboy, but it's like save save a refugee, ride a cousin. <laughs> and then and then for all the the guys who did adopt the refugee, they got like the modified sticker who rescued who. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you know, um, you know, they were in in, old, in ancient civilizations. They knew you could have uh, uh, sex with your cousins to a point, and then you had to. Then a, one generation had to be the brave generation to not have that sweet cousin sex, and they had to go breed with some other stranger. But then the tradition could continue. Uh, article number four: Comet airburst twelve thousand eight hundred years ago brought about farming. In the same way that the comet that uh, caused that air bursted and killed all the dinosaurs and caused that event, eventually allowed for the innovation of farming, as well as the iPhone and many other inventions that you see today. Yeah, 12,800 12, years ago. <laughs> yes. I read the new script. I don't know what Bible you're reading, Bobby. Uh, that was a ground impact. That was not an air impact. But so this is a, about I, well, I, a, a it was either that or go with an air bust joke, which is about air coming. All right. Like <laughs> I thought you said air bust. And like, yeah, well, I don't know that air coming really contributed to farming, Bobby. But we're an adult show. And I didn't want to talk about air coming, Bobby. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> air coming is when you come in an air fryer. right? <laughs> 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 That's horrifying. <laughs> it looks like Slimer attacked my air fryer. To be fair, it's like if you've ever had to use an air fryer, it's the best way to taste cum. I mean, like if yeah. you're going to use, if, if you're going to go cum tasting. You know, a lot of times I have cum and it's really heavy. Sometimes I just want a light cum snack. And that's where the air Oh, dear. So we've talked about this before. This is a series of uh, impacts that, you know, came from from a breaking up comet around 12,800 years ago. It coincides with the Younger Dryas period where we had a kind of a, a respite in this otherwise climate warming time. And we think that this, you know, this little brief cold spill, cold spell might have caused a lot of things, might have caused some extinctions of megafauna, might have caused a bunch of stuff. One of the hypotheses that's put forward by this particular paper is that this actually contributes contributed to the development of farming itself in the areas like the Levant in the Middle East. And what they did is they looked at the seeds and the stuff that was going on with the natural hunter-gatherers that were around prior to this impact 12,800 years ago. And it was mainly hunter-gatherer type stuff. They were eating berries and wild legumes and that kind of stuff. Then this cold spell hit. They, they weren't allowed the advantages of light air-fried semen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
Then the cold spell hit, and there was a die-off of a lot of people, obviously, and their diet seemed to shift towards the domestic-type grains and lentils. And it was probably because they had to. They had a really quick change of the climate, and the, the land could no longer support them with the natural stuff that was going on. But they had this stuff, this proto-wheat, uh, these you know these chickpeas and flax and rye and lentils and stuff. And man, now we could grow them because it is it is a little bit colder and whatnot. We could grow them in these organized ways, and maybe that was one of the impetuses that helped farming. Or maybe just farming was developed, and it was the only thing that got them through that younger dry, so it spread really quickly because it was a successful strategy during that period of time, and it remained a successful strategy after the younger dry ended, about a thousand years, and you know people just kind of continued to do agriculture. So maybe, much like you know the, the big one took out the dinos, a little one maybe took out hunter-gatherers in one part of the world, and then farming spread. Obviously, by the way, something to consider is farming agriculture was developed multiple times. We think at least six or seven, but maybe as many as like two dozen around the world in different places and different times and stuff. So it's not like this started farming everywhere, but we're thinking this might have started it at our earliest evidence uh, in the Middle East, the Fertile Crescent. Farming is the crabs of technology. Like it just all technology. Yes, you're right. Yes, farming. Yeah, it it develops in multiple places at multiple times using different crops and different styles, different ways to to do agriculture. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, article number five: One effective way to institute change is to get angry. Yeah, I'm I'm going to therapy right now, and uh, and uh, and if you're just gonna be like if uh, if you don't voice tell people what you want. Uh, you're never, and if you don't like throw a brick through the dean's car, you're never going to get tenure, <laughs> Bobby. Uh, I don't think that's true. But you, but you tie a note from a rival professor onto the oh. brick. But the note says, if you don't give Bobby tenure, I'm going to kill your kids. And the guy's like, well, why does this guy care about it? I, I don't know. We better, we better get, we better fire him and give Bobby the tenure. Better not, better not risk it. We better just. <laughs> I, 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 I think your kids, is that, is that worth playing a game of chicken over? I don't know. Now, this is this is an actual article that was published, like all of these are. Now, I, I wanted to do this because I saw the headline, and I thought it was incredibly misleading. They did one very, very limited study, and they're like, look, these people did better if we got them angrier before we had them do a task. And in this particular one task, this one computerized task, it was true, but... The role of anger in achieving goals is actually incredibly complicated. There's this whole field of research that looks at it. And oftentimes people will say anger motivated me to do X, Y, and Z. And sometimes that works in very short-term cases, but it's almost never long-term sustainable. Like, Damien, you talked about, oh, I should, I'm going to my therapist to talk about what's wrong. That's what you want to do. You want to talk about what's angering you. So hopefully you're not angry because, in fact, anger is a really bad motivator it is. it's a it, bad unless spite unless because like usually when spite even if it is a, even if you were to say like i am super motivated by spite the things spite yeah. wants you to do it's never like cure world hunger it's never yes. something good <laughs> you're right you're 100 percent right and, and and this becomes an issue because a lot of times people have this misconception i got i'm i got hunger because i'm angry and stuff like that it's like no anger will motivate you in the short term like you said the goals get diverged so what it's motivating you to do is not even usually what's best for you so it's bad in that way but also even when you're motivated you're motivated in a way that is negative for your health higher blood pressure constantly thinking negative thoughts you're not exploring other options that you have to do things that are good for yourself you're it's now not working even a... for the Emperor of the Galaxy as opposed to the Jedi Order. That's right. 
It's, in fact, I think there is a really good Star Wars metaphor for what you're saying is that, yes, yes. anger is a source of power temporarily. And it'll it consume you in the end. Also, by the way, something one of the interesting things I was reading a bunch of like anger, like uh, motivation stuff from psychology, just as background for this. One of the interesting things is one of the telltale signs of like a cult or otherwise strongly unhealthy group is one that tries to motivate you by telling you to get angry, because like they point out, like if a group, whether it's a church or or like uh, any kind of organization, if they want you to do change, they'll present the facts to you, and if you. You get angry, you'll get angry, and maybe that'll help motivate you or whatever. But the one that says you should get angry about this, if you think about it, like break that down, what they're saying is you should be hurt, right? Because anger is a form of hurt. We would like you to be hurt so that hopefully you do what we want you to do. It's like one of the telltale signs that separates cults from religions. And so be wary. Be wary of anybody who says like, you should get angry about this. If that person actually cared about you, what they would do is present the thing and then hopefully you felt similarly to them and wanted to change. Let's say, you know, uh, oh, you should get angry about climate change, right? Let's say I, I really want to motivate you guys. If I, I don't want you to actually be angry because I don't want you to do something that's not going to be effective and that's going to cause you negative health benefits and like just make your life shittier. What I should do is present the methane, you know, numbers to you and let you make, you know, conscious, rational decisions. The idea that I would want you to be angry to make a decision is like me trying to trick you. So think about that when you think about anger and motivation. I will strike, like, I, I remembered that, but then I remembered I really wanted to strike him down. And like, um, I don't know, it's I'm true. kind of now a Sith. I don't know. I am now my own apprentice, Bobby. Like I, I made some decisions, and I'm moving up in the world. <laughs> I'm going to cut off Count Dooku's hands and take his spot. <laughs> Article number six. Earth's moon is nearly 40 million years older than previously thought. Is this like what, like the moon's agent uh, has been keeping the moon, the moon, in order to keep the moon employed in all these terrestrial gigs, the moon, the, yeah. the moon's agent had to lie. No, nah, no, nah, she's not. She's only a 45 year old celestial body, 45 million year old celestial body. No, nah, no, nah, she's never seen 50, 60. I, I'll tell you what, uh, I was fine with it. And I'm kind of like fine with like, you know, a lot of the, the work that moons obviously get done to compete with younger mm -hmm. moons. But the lips, that's the one I don't get. Like when they give the moon the big puffy lips, I'm like, this doesn't make you more attractive. Who is this for? And call me crazy. I think there is a kind of a sexiness to a moon that ages gracefully. You know, the Helen yeah, that's right. moons or the, uh, yeah. Or yeah, the, and or like, the you Jennifer Lopez moons, who are 60-year-old moons and look just like every 60-year-old woman should look or feel terrible about themselves. Yeah, and like, if you're like, oh man, you know, my chest is sagging a little bit, I want to get a trim-up job, and while you're in there, go ahead and, you know, bump them up to double Ds, go for it, great, that's fantastic. Uh, we could all appreciate that. But the lips, the lips are just... They're a sign of moon craziness because you walked in, you've seen all of the bad moon lips out there and you walked into an office and paid somebody to do that to you. Yeah, it's you're, you're really gambling with the lips. Like you're like you better like the, the, what the doctor showed you. on the There's no screen. payoff. It's not even a gamble. Like there's no there is there's like the upside. If it's there is like a half a percent. No, but no guy notices that is like, oh, man, those lips. That's that's the one for me. But everybody notices when they're bad. Like it is so little upside. It's it's putting all your money on the roulette wheel. It's putting your kid's child fund on the roulette wheel. But the payout is like a buck fifty. 
I, sw- I swear, I think it, like the first couple times you do it, you think it looks good, and it's just like it, like it's like it, it literally is like a Faustian bargain. Like eventually, you get to the point where like you're just you become the freak. Like um, I, I don't know, it, it it all seems like lips seems like a Hellraiser. The first couple times you do it, like gives you a source of confidence, but then it all leads to the same place, which is looking like an alien. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So this is interesting. So they were analyzing these tiny little zircon crystals that was gathered all the way back in Apollo 17. So it's not like we just sent people to the moon, right? Uh, Back in the early 70s. And they actually found out that we had miscalculated the age of the moon. We previously thought it was about 4.425 billion years old. And we now know it's closer to 4.46 billion years old, which is really important, actually, because the moon was created by the creature disk that came after a collision with a another planet called Theia that smashed into Earth and created all this fucking crazy shit that then coalesced back to it to uh, the moon, all the debris that was outside of us. And that's important because the more we narrow down on that date, the closer we get to, you know, when can life start? It's pretty hard for life. If life started and the two fucking planets collided and the entire thing became a molten ball of lava for a while, well, all that life was probably dead. So this will help us narrow in on like biology by no on Earth by knowing the age of the moon. All right. And last article number seven. Shark teeth blades were used in Indonesia 7,000 years ago. There are so few things more human than, like, creating a weapon from shark's teeth. Like, what's the most yeah. badass fucking creature out there? That's like the an Indonesian Tim the Toolman Taylor was like, oh, I'm going to take <laughs> More your- teeth! Yeah, you see that? You Oh, you got a club? Well, I got a club with shark's teeth on them, motherfucker. More power. Yeah, uh, so this is super interesting. So this is found, we have found shark teeth stuff before, but it's almost all supposed to be decorational. This actually looks like it was used, and they took the shark's teeth from a fucking tiger shark, cut some holes in it, and then attached it to a handle, and this was used as a knife. Now, here's the thing. It can't be used for, like, everyday uses, like cutting shit down and doing chores because it dulls really quickly. So its only uses are pretty much weapons. Like, its only use is to slash somebody's skin open, which it's great at. But you could only really do that to people or maybe a ceremonial use or something. But you can't use this as an everyday object. Like, this is a fuck you up knife. That is all this is done. This is all this is for. You could tell because you actually have to use the butterfly action to open the shark's teeth knife. So it looked cool. Just what a badass fucking weapon. And again, like you said, you're like, hey, what's what's the most badass thing in that ocean? Well, that fucking tiger shark for sure. All right, let's jack it. Take its teeth and stab Bill. It's like the Indonesian equivalent to like the uh, the chieftain who wore a bear skull to like frighten his enemies. Like I don't want to mess with that guy. It's that a shark tooth knife. Fuck man, this dude's a badass. (laughs) Oh, thank you, audience, for coming back for Science Faction's Patreon one thirty two, the lightning round, where you learned all about how excess fluoride in water can be linked to cognitive impairment in children. How scientists have developed a cool new way to store hydrogen. How being closely related to your mate has impacts on fertility generations down the line. How comet airbursts 12,800 years ago brought about farming. How getting angry is not necessarily a very effective way to motivate yourself. Why the moon is 40 million years older than we previously thought. And how shark teeth were used as blades in Indonesia 7,000 years ago. Thank you so much for joining us and come on back next week for Science Faction 682. You've been listening to Science Fiction. Wait, that's not right.